Amen. When you sing that song into the potter's hands, do you realize what you're saying? What you're saying is, Lord, take me. I surrender my will to your will. And God, use me, make me, fill me up to be used again by you. I realize that in this room tonight, there are some diehard Christians. And and whether it's snow, sleet, 150 degrees outside, you're going to be here. These doors are open. But I also realize there are other people in this room that really want to hear a word from the Lord. You're hurting and you're struggling with life, and life is really beating you down, and you're trying to figure out what is the next move. God, where do I go from here? And I will personally tell you this was a message that I struggled with because when I got the message that I was preaching, I was like, okay, good. I've got an arsenal of sermons inside my computer, and I can just hit send and send one. But it doesn't happen like that. Whenever you're called to do something for the Lord, you pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what is it exactly that you want me to do? You see, you are his people. He tells you what he wants to tell you, not Ken tells you what I want to tell you. And so tonight, I hit send on a message to Stephanie, who is uh, one of our administrative assistants here, and I hit send on this message, and I was like, all right, this is it. Boom, I'm done. I don't have to study until Saturday, and then Sunday I'll get up and preach. And God was like, I didn't tell you to hit send on that message. (laughs) I sent her a message back. I said, hey, take that back. That's not the message. The message tonight is on repentance. That's what the message is on. And thank you for coming back because you are a brave bunch. (laughs) When you talk about repentance, this is a word that is not normally heard in church a lot anymore. Although in the Bible, you see it in multiple places in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You hear about the word repent, 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 repent. Even John the Baptist, his first message was repent. Jesus, first message, repent, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And as I think about that word, I also think about all the opportunities God provides to go out and share the gospel. As I go on and as I get older, the Lord has given me more boldness to share the gospel. And I don't care where I am. I can be in an airport, a grocery store. It doesn't matter. I'll jump into anybody's conversation. (laughs) Ask my wife. People can be like, man, these peaches look good. I'd be like, yeah, those peaches look real good, don't they? Man, where you go to church at? I mean, I'm just, boom, I'm right in there. I'm sharing the God. It doesn't matter. Matter of fact, I'll even go hang out at the charging station at the airport just to see who's going to come. Say, hey, how you doing? You know, this thing gives some, some regular power, but man, do you know about the power of Jesus Christ? You know, I just, I just break right into it. I don't care. I, just, I mean, I just get right in there. Because the most important thing is the gospel. And when I talk about the gospel, I'm not talking about my testimony, okay? Some people say, I'm going to share the gospel, and I hear them, and they will share their testimony of what God has done for them. What God has done for you is good, but it's only through the transformation of the gospel message that you're able to have a testimony. Does that make sense? The gospel message can be found throughout the Bible, And the gospel message is this, that Jesus Christ, the one and only Son of God, came to this world to die on a cross for our sins. 
He died and was resurrected. And you can see that all throughout Scripture, resurrected and now sits at the right hand of the Father. That is good news for us, which means the gospel. That is the good news because now a Savior has come and has rescued us from our sins. Amen? So now I look at people when I go out and I start talking to people and sharing the gospel with them, the good news of the message of gospel. You know, this is great. I get to talk to all kinds of people, Muslims, Buddhists, you name it, people that are, I mean, spiritualists. I mean, I just talk to a number of people. But the people that I talk to that bo- where it bothers me the most is the people that say, hey, I'm saved. And I say, can you unwrap that for me? Tell me how you got saved. And, you know, tell me about your story. Tell me, share, share with me how you got saved. And as they start sharing this story, I never hear of a changed life. I never hear of, man, I went from being this person to this new person in Christ. And the majority of the time, it sounds like an emotional experience that a person had, and now they have taken that on and saying, hey, I, am, I have been saved and there has been no repentance. That's a problem. It's a problem because now you have made a decision based off your emotions, and you have probably tried to change one or two things on the outside, but the inside has never been changed. And then the scripture comes to light, you know, narrow is the way. And I'm thinking about that scripture. I'm thinking about people who have said, you know what, I made an emotional decision and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just doing this. And, and man, I don't know. I just don't know if they're going to make it in. And so tonight, we're just going to walk through repentance and what that looks like based on the scriptures Because, you know, we're looking at, we're evaluating and saying, God, what is this repentance? And so there are a few scriptures that came to mind. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, you, you have a smartphone or anything, please, 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 pretty please. Look at the word for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Look at it for yourself. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for tonight, and we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you're a holy God, and God, you are the potter, and we are the clay. God, would you mold us and make us into your image, into the image of your son. Lord, would you help us to understand your word for tonight? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as I started looking through and talking about these conversations that I was having, I started looking at particular scriptures like Ezekiel 14, 6, and it says, Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord, repent and turn away from your idols and turn your faces away from all your abominations. That was Ezekiel 14, 6. I also looked at Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, and it said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is John talking. Also in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter says to them, Repent, each and every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then I rolled over to Jonah, and I said, Okay, I understand that we need to repent, but God, what does that repentance really look like? 
How should this look in every day? Is this just saying, Lord, I'm sorry? Is this, you know, getting on my knees on the side of the bed and just saying, Lord, I'm sorry, and getting up and just kind of going about my life? What should this repentance really look like? And so I went to Jonah, chapter 3, and this is what it reads. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, arise, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim it to, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. This was the city of all cities. This was like party town. This was like the Las Vegas. Now I'm just, you know, I know the pastor's watching this. <laughs> this, is, this is like the Las Vegas of the United States here, okay? This is the party town. And so here is what the scripture says. It says, and so this was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put, sackcloth, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. When the word of the Lord reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, and he covered himself with sackcloth and sat on some ashes. And he issued a proclamation, and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let not man, beast, herd, nor flock taste the thing. Now, hey, stop right here. I just, I have to get a laugh when I look at Scripture. I'm thinking the animals are like, what do we got to do with this? You know, he didn't, he didn't sin. <laughs> he said, nobody's, even the animals, nobody's eating anything. All right, we can get back to the word here. And Nineveh, the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth. And let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hand. Who knows God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a picture of repentance. You see people that are hearing the word of God. And after hearing the word of God, there was fear. There was a, a holy fear of the Lord and them turning from their wicked ways and turning to the Lord. And I said to myself, the repentance that I see today doesn't look like that. Do we Really, when we hear the word of the Lord, I mean, are you with fear and trembling and, and saying, you know what, I've got to turn this ship around. I've, something, I've got to do something. I've got to fall before the Lord. I've got to, you know, put on sackcloth. Please don't put on sackcloth and ashes. But, but, hey, I am falling before the Lord and saying, Lord, I surrender. I'm in the potter's hands. Are we really doing that? And so when I talk about, you know, uh, repentance, I really want to understand what does this word really mean? What, when someone says repent, what does this really mean? And, and when I'm reading this, the evidence of a repentant heart will be a changed life, not an emotional experience. Amen? A changed life and not an emotional experience. And when you read that word in the Bible, it could have one of three meanings. The first word is narkom, narkom. I pray that's on the screen. There it is. 
And this word in the Bible means to sigh, like a, man, I did it again. I said I wasn't going to do it, but I did it anyway. This is that word repent. As a matter of fact, this is the same word that Jonah, I'm sorry, not Jonah, but Job uses in, in chapter 42, verse 6. It says this, therefore I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. He was like, I retract. You know, he's not repenting of a sin. He's just, I repent. I, I'm sighing deeply because I am distressed about the situation that I'm in. And most of the time, when people repent, that is what you see. There is no change of life. There is no change of mind. There is just a, I did it again. Man, I didn't want to do that again, but I did it again. I said I wasn't going to do that. But man, it just happened again. The next word is called shob. Shob. This word means to physically turn back, to turn away. And this is a physical, in a physical sense, meaning if I'm going in one direction, I'm turning and going in a different direction. But it does not necessarily mean I'm going back to the same place. And so when I look at this word, this, also, this word is also mentioned in the Bible in 2 Chronicle chapter 6, verse 37, 37. And this is what it reads. If they take thought in the land where they are taken captive and repent and make supplication to turn around to, supp- and, and to you in the land of their captivity, saying, we have sinned, we have committed iniquity, and we have acted wickedly just to turn around. But most of all, in the New Testament, you will hear this particular word. This word is called metanoi, metanoi. And this is the word that talks about or describes a changing of mind or to think differently about sin. Amen? To think differently about sin. And this is where we want to be, church. We don't want to just say, hey, Lord, I'm doing bad and I want to turn my life around, so I'm going to invent this 12-step process to help me get there. Lord, I want you to show me in my mind, based on your word, what you think about sin and how I can get rid of sin out of this body. Amen? Amen. Not trying to just do something but I want the word to change me from the inside out. This is what I'm looking for. As a matter of fact, this particular word is used in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, where it says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It also says it again in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You need a new mind. Your mind needs to be renewed in Christ. Your heart needs to be created. Just like David said in Psalm 51, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. Your heart needs to be changing. Your mind needs to be renewed. What does God think about sin? Not just hey, Lord, oh, I feel bad about it, or I'm going to invent something that I can do to get away from it. But you actually are saying, Lord, change my mind about this particular sin in my life. And so when I think about that, there are three principles 
about that particular word that always seemed to surface. And here they are. The first is an introduction of knowledge. Introduction of knowledge. That means you have put yourself in a place where you can hear the Word of God. That's why coming to church is so important. That's why listening to podcasts, sermons, uh, anything that is biblically based continually, because what you are doing is you are saying, Lord, I want to know what you think about certain issues, not what I have been presupposed, predisposed. Thank you, predisposed of thinking or what I've grown up with. I want to make sure that, God, this is what you're saying and what, not just what I'm thinking, this introduction of knowledge. And then next, after you hear the word, there should be a regret of your previous course of action and a displeasure, displeasure with self a regret for the previous course and a displeasure with self. And this is what that looks like. As you read the Word, and this is why it's so important to meditate on the Word, not just do it real fast and get through it and be done, but I'm looking at God's Word and I'm actually meditating on it. The quantity of Scripture that you go through is not important. Okay, you, hey, Pastor Ken, I read a whole Bible in, you know, one, one month, and man, it was great. That's good, but what did you get out of it? What did God show you in that situation? Did God speak to your life in, on a specific topic and said, hey, Ken, I see this in your life, and this needs to be changed? Have you ever read the Word and it spoke to you like that? God, I see this. God, I'm dealing with this in my own life. God, I realize that as I read the word, you're speaking to me and, and speaking to my situation, and this needs to be changed. So I'm hearing the knowledge or hearing the word of God. I'm regretting and have some displeasure with myself. I'm saying, God, I know that's me. You're speaking to me. God, right now, you're speaking to me. That relationship that I'm in, I don't know, I definitely don't need to be in it because I just read about, you know, being in adultery. Or God, I know that you don't want me to lie because God, I just read about how you hate lying and, and how you love truth. And as you're reading the word, God speaks to you and saying, okay, this, this needs to be changed. And then my heart, my heart is burdened by that. And then the next thing, it should be a change of action. But I want you to add to that, all right? It's a change of action, but it's a change of mind that leads to a change of action. A change of mind that leads to a change of action. So as God changes my mind or helps me to change my mind based on the Word of God, my actions start to change. And I think this is where many people get tripped up at. We start looking, start trying, try harder, do more. I'm not trying hard enough. Something's wrong. If Jesus died for my sin, why do I keep thinking about this? Why do I keep doing this? 
And so you try to actually do or physically do things that will help remove the sin from your life. And those things are good, but my mind needs to be changed. That's why when you see people on the street, you can't just give them something to do. You have to give them Jesus. Jesus is what's going to change their life. You can't just show them exactly, hey, this is what you need to do. You need to give them Jesus. He's the only one who can change their lives. Amen? So as I walk through that, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, here are the three principles. There's an introduction of knowledge. There's regret from, you know, our previous course of action. And, and there's a change of mind which should lead to a change of action. Well, who should repent? Who should repent now? Now that I understand repentance, who should repent? In Ezekiel 18, 21 uh, through 23, this is what it reads. And just write this verse down. As a matter of fact, it's up on the screen as well. But if a wicked person turns away from all the sins they have committed and keeps all my decrees and does what is just and right, that person will surely live. They will not die. None of the offenses they have committed will be remembered against them because of the righteous things they've done. They will live. I do not take any pleasure in the death of the wicked. Do you see that? God does not take pleasure in seeing people pass away without knowing him. Do do I take pleasure in the death of the wicked? Declares the sovereign Lord, rather I am not pleased when they turn rather I am not I not pleased when they turn from their wicked ways and live. God is pleased when people turn from their wicked ways and live. And so the Bible says All are called to repentance. All are called to repentance. Everyone, everywhere is called to repentance. If you don't know Christ, you are called to repentance. You hear the word of God, and now you feel remorse, and you feel a displeasure with self because you say, God, I hear your word And now your action is to now give your life to Christ. Your mind changes and you now give your life to Christ. So an unsaved person gives their life to Christ by repenting and giving their life to Christ. Does that make sense, everybody? Now, the saved person also needs to repent. When you are walking through life and you read something in God's Word and you know something in God's Word where you have stumbled off the path, you still need to repent. This is not a one-shot, one deal. When you repent as a new believer, but then also as you're walking through life, you repent because you're not perfect. God begins to show you things in your life that need to be corrected. And as you walk through this process, this process is called sanctification. And so God is preparing you until you go home to be with him. And so God, as God reveals it through his word on Sundays, Wednesdays, or whenever you do your Bible study, your personal time, as he reveals it, your heart is convicted. As your heart is convicted, you have a desire to change your mind. And as your mind changes, your actions change. Amen? God calls all people to repentance. In Acts 17.30, Paul talks about this. He's proclaiming to the Athenians on Mars Hill 
about repentance. This is what he says, being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and, and, and the thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to all men everywhere that they should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, which is Jesus, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. God is calling men all everywhere, all men, to repent. Next, when we repent, we receive the forgiveness of sins through Christ. When we repent, we receive the forgiveness of sins through Christ. In Acts 37, 38, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 38, it says this. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. This is Peter talking and the rest of the disciples. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and the rest of the apostles. Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter says to them, repent, each of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the forgiveness of sins when you repent. Give your life to Jesus. There's another scripture there. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. It says this, Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. When we repent, we receive the forgiveness of sins. Do you not realize that without the death of Jesus Christ, we will be destined for hell? And I don't want to sugarcoat this because hell is very, very real. And as you read about it in Scripture, you see people in utter torment in hell. And God says, I don't desire that for any of you. Repent. Turn to me. Turn from your wicked ways and come to me. And so as I'm reading this scripture, I'm thinking about God's, how, how merciful and how loving our God is to send his son to say, hey, you don't have to suffer that. Give your life to Jesus. Amen? Next one. When we repent, God is pleased. When we repent, God is pleased. You may be saying, well, why is God pleased? If you look at Isaiah 59, verse 2, and you don't have this in your notes, so you may have to write this down. When we repent, God is pleased. Isaiah 59, verse 2, it says this, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. Your sins have done that separated you from God, caused a chasm between you, broken fellowship with you and God. And so he calls all men to repent and to come back to him. You know, I remember in our marriage when Lawan and I were just kind of in the first years of our marriage. And man, we, we uh, you know, were struggling like any other couple. Right around year five, six, seven you know, that's when the fight really starts. You, that's, the, that's the time in your marriage you say, you know what? You know, 
like Papa, that's all I can stand and I can't stand no more. <laughs> and you start walking through that in your marriage. And, and one day I was so upset with her. And I mean, I left and I was, I was in Memphis and I was going to college. And, and so I went to college and man, lo and behold, car broke down. Car broke down, Corey. So guess who I have to call? The woman I've been fighting with. <laughs> She gave mercy and came to pick me up. <laughs> but I start thinking about that situation and how God wanted me to rectify that with my wife. So he put me in a peculiar place to be able to rectify that relationship. And sometimes that is, that is true with our relationship with the Lord. The Lord wants to love us so much, and he wants a relationship with you so much, and he does not want sin to hinder the relationship, so he has to put you into a peculiar situation, amen, to bring you back to himself, amen. The next one, when we refuse to repent, when we refuse to repent, we are storing up wrath against ourselves. When you refuse to repent, you are storing up wrath for yourselves. Now, what does that look like? That is saying, God, I hear you, but I'm not doing it. I know what you said about this issue, but I'm still going to do it anyway. I know you said don't lie, but guess what? One, of, one or two lies won't hurt. God, I know you said, you know, stealing is, is not good. God, you told me not to do that, but guess what? I'm just going to take this. I'm just going to do a little thing. I'm just going to do a little bit here and there, and, and it's going to be okay. All right? When we refuse to repent, we are storing up wrath for ourselves. In Romans chapter 2, verse 5, this is what it says. But because of the stubbornness and your unrepented heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath, and, for revel and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Don't, don't, don't stay where you are. When you hear God's voice speak through his word, sometimes through other people, turn away, repent, and give your heart to Christ. Don't keep walking in the same and in the same area, you're storing up wrath for yourself. Continue, start turning and saying, Lord, help me to turn. Start reading God's word and say, God, what do you say about this? Help me to understand this. God, I pray that as I look at what you say in your word, God, help me to, to, to plant this in my mind. Help me to know that this is something that you are displeased with. And allow my actions to change after that. And then the last thing, what does it look like to truly repent? What does it look like to truly repent? True repentance causes us to surrender. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. Usually when I'm out on the street to, to, to get the word across, I have to use really simple illustrations. And one of the illustrations that I love to use is when a person gets saved, what happens is the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. 
And when and, and people are like, man, the Holy Spirit inside of me is the Spirit inside of me. I'm like, hold on, just, just hold on, just a second. Let me tell the story. <laughs> and I said, what happens is he comes in and he starts cleaning up, and so it's almost like a broom. He's got a broom. And he's like, he's like, all right, get rid of that. Read this in the Word. Oh, yep, that don't need to be there either. He's just going around. He's just cleaning up house, okay? He is taking all the things in your life out that you don't need out, and you're like, yep, that's good. That can go. Yep, that's good. That can go. But then he sees something like, wait a minute, that can't go. He's like, yep, that got to go too. That, that. He's like, no, no, not this. I've had this too long. This is something that I have depended on for comfort, and you can't take this from me. And the Holy Spirit is like, it's got to go. It's got to go. One, one way or another, it's got to go. And so this is going to cost you something. This is not a life where, hey, I just give my life to Christ, and, man, I can just continue to live the way I want to live. It doesn't happen that way. It's about surrender. And it's going to cost you. The next thing, true repentance will intentionally place us in environments where we are consistently hearing, reading, and meditating on God's Word. True repentance will intentionally place us in environments where we are consistently hearing, reading, and meditating on God's Word. That means, God, I want to change. I don't want to stay the same. Lord, will you help me to do this? Lord, I'm going to get in your Word every day whether it be in the morning, early in the morning. I like morning because everybody's still quiet, and I'm just giving my all to Christ. I'm just looking and combing through the Scriptures, and, and after, I'm, after I finish reading, I can kind of just sit back just a little bit and meditate just a little bit and say, God, what are you saying in this? And then I get back up and I start reading some more, but I'm intentionally putting myself in a place where I can hear God's voice so that my mind can be changed. Amen? Continually hearing it. Listen to the pastor's podcast. Listen to other podcasts. Listen to uh, the word being spoken. Just making sure that I am continually feeding myself biblical knowledge. The next thing, true repentance challenges us to evaluate our heart condition. True repentance challenges us to evaluate the heart condition. Well, you may be saying, well, why does it do that? If on Sunday you walk out of here after, after the powerful messages and excluding the message that you heard this morning, if you walk out of here and you say nothing has happened in me, you need to evaluate. Was it me? Is it something inside of me? God, is it something that I'm holding on to? God, am I just not getting it? evaluate the things that you've heard, the words you heard spoken from God's word and say, okay, am I going to change or am I just going to stay the same? Evaluate your heart condition. The next one, true repentance calls for change. True repentance calls for change. True repentance calls for change. That must be a change. And then the last thing, True repentance produces fruit in keeping with the Father. True repentance produces fruit in keeping with the Father. 
We don't know a man's heart. The Bible says in Romans, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And I can't know if a person is saved or not. But I tell you what, if Christ is in you, I should be able to see some fruit. I should be able to see and I'm not, I'm not walking around looking at people saying, all right, do I see fruit over there? All right, do I see fruit over there? I'm not walking around. But you should naturally produce what's inside of you. You should naturally produce it. You shouldn't say, hey, I'm going to produce apples today, or I'm going to be good today. The spirit that lives inside of you should be producing that on a daily basis through repentance. Does that make sense to everybody? So as I am daily spending time in prayer in God's words, the Spirit of God is producing fruit in me. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, self-control. One of the things that I know, and I don't know if he knows this or not, but I know, is my boss, Jim McBride over there. Whenever I'm going sideways at work, and Ken Bevel does go sideways at work. He'll say, Ken, you been reading your Bible? <laughs> what you been reading? <laughs> He's interested in what I'm reading. But he knows that as I read, the Bible should produce repentance. It should produce that. And we should see the fruit of that. Amen? And so now when you think about repentance... You should evaluate yourself and say, Lord, God, what is my heart? Am I truly repenting? Am I, or am I just saying, God, I'm sorry? Am I truly listening to your word, putting myself in a position where I'm consistently hearing your word, and, and, and not only that, changing my life based on your word? Am I doing that, or am I just saying sorry and getting up and leaving? I will tell you, submit yourself to the Lord. When you feel the Lord calling you and pulling you and telling you to change through his word, listen. Don't hold back. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I promise you, it'll be the best decision that you've ever made. There are a bunch of people in this world that don't have peace. They have everything, but they don't have peace. And the reason they don't have peace is because they're walking through life with an unrepented heart. They refuse to go to God and ask him, God, what needs to be changed in my life? What needs to be changed in my life? And then actually turning away from that and going in a different direction. So as we close tonight, I want you to pray. Just take a few moments and pray. And I know that as we were speaking tonight, you identified a place in your heart where you say, you know what? I am not walking in that way. I know God has been speaking to me about this particular issue. I want you to pray and say, Lord, I hear you. I hear you. Go ahead and take a few moments and pray.
Next, I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, as I read my word, spend time in my word, study and meditate in my word, God, will you show me in your word the things that I need to correct in my life? The things that you see. Something that may be a blind spot in my life. God, would you show it to me? Pray for that now. Now, now pray that God will change your mind according to the word he's spoken to you or what he's shown to you according to his word. Pray that God will change your mind according to his word. Now pray that as your mind is changed, actions will follow. Father, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for your word. And God, you've given us in your word a clear example of what repentance looked like. God, as we were reading through Jonah and the, the people of Nineveh and how they heard the word and immediately turned away from their sins, God, help us to be like that. God, when you speak to us, God, we want to hear clarion clear. God, we want to know what it is, God, you desire for us to change in our lives. And Lord, I pray that our minds will be changed and it won't just be a physical action, God, but our minds will be changed and our minds will think about sin the way you think about sin. And God, as our minds are changed, there will be actions that follow that. Lord, we desire to be pure and holy before you. Help us to be there. Help us to do that as your children. Father, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. May the Lord bless you. Thank you again for coming out tonight. Pray for our pastor as he gets better and pray for the messages for next week. God bless you. We'll see you next week.